18. I flew as fast as my falcon body could carry me, which was pretty fast. But the wind was against me. I tried to tell myself it would all work out, because on the way back, the wind would be with me. But who can tell with the wind? I left Marco and Cassie behind to keep an eye on things. I gave them instructions to do nothing. I didn't want us to get back and find they were captured too. But who was I to be giving anyone orders? I'd led my friends into a trap. A trap I might have expected if I had taken the time to do some research. But no, I'd spend the night wasting time with my family. Cassie had been right all along. We should have tried to save Gump. That would have been the easy thing to do. Instead, I had to try and play Big General and decide to go after Fenestre, even without any preparation. Tobias flew with me to the gardens. I wanted to be alone, really, but Tobias is a hundred times more experienced than any of us in the air. He knew the winds and clouds and thermals. He could help me fly faster. We'd had less than an hour and a half. By the time we were flying above the animal habitats of the gardens, we would have less than an hour. Half an hour to get back. That left half an hour to do what I had come to do, and to rescue Rachel and Axe back at the mansion. There was no time to waste. Are you going to tell me what we're here for? Tobias grumbled. Right down there, I said. Below us was an outdoor habitat of mixed grasses, a muddy wallow, and a waterhole. Four shapes were visible in the habitat. Four large shapes that looked like fugitives from the age of dinosaurs. Rhinos? Tobias asked incredulously. Yeah, I need a morph that can go straight through those fences, through the doors, and take a couple of bullets if need be. You have a better idea? Nope, not me. But how are you going to get close enough to acquire one of those things? Two of the rhinos are off at the far end of the habitat. The crowds may not be able to see them all that well. You're just going to go right in? There's no time for anything else. Oh man, look, at least let me provide a distraction. I hesitated. Tobias was waiting for me to say yes or no. What if I was wrong? Again? Still, I could use a distraction. Yeah, okay, but don't get hurt, you hear? Do not get hurt. Tobias peeled off, and I floated down, down, like going down a spiral staircase. I aimed right for the broad back of the biggest rhinoceros. I flared my wings, reached out with my talons, and landed as gently as I could. The big beast barely twitched. I stood there, balanced on his back, my talons holding lightly to the thick old gray leather. So far, so good. But you can't acquire new DNA when you're in a morph. I had to be human to do it. And that was going to be tricky. I looked off toward the high railing where people were watching the rhinos meander. With my falcon vision, they seemed shockingly close. I could see the color of their eyes. I could see a loose button on one guy's shirt. Of course, they only had human eyes. They couldn't see nearly as well as I could. It doesn't matter, I told myself grimly. No time to worry. Do it. I began to demorph. On the rhino's back. My falcon feathers began to melt and run together, confusing their neat geometric patterns. My talons grew less sharp, thicker, clumsier, with extra toes beginning to grow. 
I heard a deep, internal grinding sound as my human bones began to stretch out of the hollow bird bones. I was already twice as heavy on the rhinoceros's back. Would he throw me off and trample me? No time to worry. Would the people notice what was happening? No time to worry. I had to trust Tobias. And that's when I saw him swoop down from the sky and snatch a cotton candy from a little girl's hand as easily as he snatched mice from the grass. Swoop! And off he went with the bright pink fluff ball. The girl yelled. The people around all gasped and laughed and pointed. Tobias began to put on an aerial display worthy of the blue angels at an air show. No one was watching me as my lumpy human shape emerged from the sleek falcon body. But I was still on the back of the rhino. On the back of a 2,000 pound behemoth with a 3 foot long horn. The rhino moved, but he was just ambling over to greener grass. I continued to demorph. Then, all of a sudden, the rhino noticed. He snorted. He broke into a trot. I had no hands yet. No talons anymore either. I rolled off and lay face down in the dust. Come on, Jake. Morph. The rhino towered above me. It was like lying down on the ground beside a truck. He blinked one eye at me. And then he lowered his massive horn. Sniff. Sniff. That face. That horn. Hovered inches from me. As the rhinoceros sniffed at me and I prayed he wouldn't impale me. He was growing more agitated. He was upset by what he was watching. No surprise. It would have upset me too, watching a boy squirm and mutate his way out of a bird. And then I had a hand. I stuck it out, half blind, and touched the horn. I wrapped my still-emerging fingers halfway around it, and I focused with all my mind. When you acquire animals, they go into a sort of trance, Except, sometimes they don't. And if this was one of those times, the rhino would trample me and use me for target practice with his horn. I focused on the beast. I focused and felt him become a part of me. Chapter 19 We raced back from the gardens. I was exhausted. Tobias was exhausted. We had no choice. Time was running out. The wind had shifted. It wasn't in our faces, but it was strong from the south, and we were flying west. We kept having to fight our way back on course. Marco and Cassie were waiting in the trees across the road from Fenestre's front gate. Their time in Morph was short too, as short as Rachel's and Axe's time. Marco! Cassie! I yelled down. Anything happen? Yeah, the clock kept ticking, Marco said. We noticed one thing, Cassie said. Thank goodness for these eyes. We saw you were right not to try and sneak inside in some kind of insect morph. There's a band of poison around each door, and some kind of bug zapper in the windows. That must have been what shocked Rachel. I think Mr. Fenestre has some psychological problems. He can afford them, Marco said. Now what are we doing to get Rachel and Axe out of there? I'm going to knock down the fences, kick in the door, and stomp anything or anyone that gets in my way. I said. Cool. Marco laughed with a touch of his now strained humor. Rachel would approve. But how? I landed on the ground at the base of the tree. You guys get ready. I'm hoping Mr. Fenestre built that place with high ceilings and wide hallways. 
I demorphed as quickly as I could. I stayed in human form for only a few seconds, then focused my thoughts on the rhinoceros. It is unbelievably tiring to morph rapidly like that. You feel like your body is running on one half-dead AA battery. But I could be tired later, not now. The first change was my skin. It went from delicate human of the pink variety to something like inch-thick leather that had been left out in the sun for ten years. It thickened and rippled all over. I was still human, but gray and massive. It was like wearing living armor. My legs thickened and shortened. My fingers withered away. Only the fingernails remained, and they became hard and big as irons. I fell forward on all fours, a growing mass of gray, like molten steel bubbling and reforming. I felt my ears crawl up the side of my head. They elongated, then curled to form open tubes. And then, last of all, my face. My entire face simply began to stretch. Out and out and out. The bones of my face and skull grew, multiplied, thickened. It was as if some busy crew of engineers were rebuilding my face, always saying, We need more here, more support there, more armor, more strength. My head was gigantic. What the- what are you morphing? Marco asked. And then, growing from the far end of my monstrously big head, the horns began to emerge. A smaller one toward the back that grew, then stopped. And the larger horn. The one that grew and grew and grew. My eyesight was dim and badly focused, but I could see the horn sprout. Up and up it went. Thicker. Larger. Longer. Oh, Marco said. That's what you're morphing. How much time? I asked. Maybe ten minutes. Tobias said. I felt the rhino's mind emerge beneath my own human consciousness. It was not what I'd expected. This mind was not violent. In fact, the dominant instinct seemed to be simple hunger. The rhino wanted to graze. But beneath that placid herbivore consciousness, there was something else. Not aggression, but defensiveness. Not fear, but concern. The rhino had to be careful lest it was challenged by another rhinoceros. The incredibly dim and almost useless eyes searched for a shape vaguely like its own. The ears twisted and turned, aiming at each new sound, looking for the sounds of another rhino. The excellent nose sniffed the air. No challengers. No enemies. Just some birds. The rhino was calm. I would have to supply the aggression, which was fine, because I had plenty. I had to save Rachel and Axe, and I had to do it right now. Okay, you guys, stay with me, but stay back. Wait till I've cleared away the defenses before you advance. Now, let's see what this horn can do. Chapter 20 My new body moved surprisingly well. I felt almost like I was tiptoeing, but I was a tiptoeing giant. I trotted out from beneath the cover of the trees. I knew the gate of Finesse's compound was right across the street, but I could not see the gate. I couldn't see anything beyond maybe 30 yards, and then, only if it moved. In order to see, I had to look first with one eye, then the other, because the two eyes were too far apart, with too much massive jaw and snout and horn separating them. It was like having your eyes in different rooms. 
You guys will have to aim me, I said. A little left, Marco said. That's it. Now forward. I trotted. I broke into a run. I felt hard pavement beneath my surprisingly sensitive feet. Gate! Marco yelled. I lowered my horn. I increased my speed. The gate was metal bars. I saw them clearly about two seconds before I hit them. More than 2,000 pounds of rhino hit tempered steel. Wham! I felt the impact in my massive bony face and back into my shoulders. It was like getting hit in the face with a sledgehammer. But it was like getting hit and not caring. I felt the impact. But my rhinoceros body was used to impact. It was built for impact. What happened to the gate? I asked, too blind to be sure. What gate? Marco said. Okay, now straight on, veering slightly right, big guy. I trotted on my four Greek column legs. I felt the twisted remains of the gate as I ran across them. Man, does this guy have a lot of different alarms or what? Tobias said. Okay, fence number two. Marco announced. I kept running. This time, it was just chain link. I felt something sort of tug at my horn. Where's the fence? I asked. You just went through it, Cassie said. All right, this may work, Marco said. <laughs> I heard the dogs very clearly, smelled them even more clearly. Doggies, Tobias warned. I caught a vague glimpse of two dark shapes hurtling through the air toward me. I think maybe they tried to bite me. I'm not sure. I did feel a sort of scraping sensation on one side. <laughs> what happened to the dogs? I asked. Doggies go bye-bye, Marco said with a laugh. The doggies are hauling doggy butt. I think I like this morph, I said. What's next? Final fence, then the door. Look out, guards! The guys with shotguns! Holy crap! I heard someone yell. What is that? Shoot it! I spotted them moving. It was like watching a very old, very fuzzy black and white movie on a bad TV. They were shadows. Ghosts moving swiftly against a blurry background. Just enough for me to see. I turned toward them. All rhino instinct now. They were possible danger. They were challenging me. That was a mistake. Rhinos get shot all the time. Unfortunately, there are people stupid enough to think rhino horn is medicine, and people creepy enough to slaughter endangered rhinos to get it. But they don't go hunting rhinoceros with shotguns. You want to shoot a rhino, you need a high-power, high-caliber rifle, not a shotgun that fires a bunch of small pellets. I felt something sting my face and shoulders. It made me mad. I charged. Not a trot. An out-and-out out run, with head down and horn out. Run! They ran. I ran after them. It took about three seconds for me to catch the first one. I plowed right into him, felt the contact with his soft, mushy body, tossed my head and...
let's just say that particular man won't be sitting down for a long, long time. I had lost the other guard, but that was okay. They weren't my goal. Get me to the door! I yelled to the others. Left. Okay, now right. Okay, now... Jeez, what are you, blind? Left, right, okay. Charge! I charged. Wham! I felt like I'd hit a truck. I backed up and slammed forward again. Wham! Crunch! Man, that was a tough door. I said. Um, Jake, you missed the door. That was the wall. You okay? Cassie asked. I'm fine. One more push and we'll be in. I reared back and slammed forward. I felt scraping along my back. Then I was in much cooler air. We're inside, aren't we? I asked. Yes, Tobias answered, sounding tense. And we are out of time. Hello, Phantomorphs, and thank you for listening to another episode of Audiomorphs, the Animorphs Auditory Experience. As always, this is your host, Daniel. Uh, not a lot to say here. Sorry, uh, the last couple of episodes have been a little on the short side, uh, short chapters, I don't know what to tell you, but we're most of the way through, we're over halfway, so, uh, let's just keep this fun bus rolling. I don't really have any other announcements here other than the usual stuff, you know. If you use Apple Podcasts and are so moved to leave me a rating and review, uh, I'd love to get those. If you'd like to send me a question or a comment or a concern or a story about your life or your favorite color, anything really, you can do that at audiomorphscast at gmail.com or audiomorphscast.tumblr.com. And of course, be sure to check out my website, theapocalypse.com. That's the apocalypse. It's like apocalypse, but with a D in the middle. Um, and uh, just kind of related to that, OK Crusader coming back. At some point, it took me three weeks last time to edit an episode, but I've recorded two more, so expect more of those down the pipe. Uh, other than that, thanks for listening, and I'll see you all next week. My name is Daniel, and I believe one day the Andalites will come. Until then, we fight.